Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep, and more. There are days when parenting is hard work. Days when all you want to do is curl up in a ball and have someone else look after you. But you have small children to raise and to love, so onwards you march. Jenny Winter is a comedian who has just written her memoir, Funny Mummy. Jenny strongly believes that the one ingredient that can help us through the hard times is laughter. Hi, Jenny. How are you? Hello. I'm really well, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. In your book, you say that most comedians have some kind of trauma or pain in their past, and I know not everyone with that will end up being a comedian, but what do you think it is about pain that gives birth to funny people? Well, I think that everybody that's gone through something dark, and I think whether you're a comedian or not, this is true, I think you find your coping mechanisms, and some of those can be healthy and some of those can be not so healthy. But I think for me, certainly growing up with early trauma, so my mum died when I was very young, I was five, and that was completely unexpected. But for me, being able to make our household laugh and make my sister laugh and make my grandma laugh, uh, who raised me, really lightened the mood. And I think once I kind of latched on to that little flotation device, that was, I was just off and running. And I think that's a really common story. And I don't think it's a coincidence that people who deal with really dark stuff. So for instance, nurses, and one of my dear friends is a palliative care nurse. They are just the funniest people. And (laughs) because you have to be, because how else do you cope with that, you know? And in turn, I think mums, like some of my most hilarious people that I know are my friends who are mums. Because again, you, you've got to find that coping mechanism to make sense of the crappy bits. And, well, you know, let's be honest, plenty of crappy bits in parenting. <laughs> plenty, plenty. Um, as you say, your mum, you were quite young when you lost your mum, but you write about her with such clarity and in particular the scene of you wrapped up in her arms and her legs on the lounge is heartbreaking because I couldn't almost – feel myself either being her or being you are your memories of your mum still clear to you today or is it is it just moments like that that stand out my memories of her are really clear and I think that uh that's because after she died I just clung to those so much like just to kind of keep her alive Mm. Uh, the thing I always found really hard though is just as she got further and further in the rear view mirror as life went on I just couldn't remember her voice you know and that's Mm. it's such a different time because nowadays of course we we film everything and you know our memories are we're so well documented in our lives that god forbid if something happened to me but my kids would have those memories be so much more tangible Whereas back then it's something you don't really think about is people's voices fade into oblivion but I'm lucky that my mum was a singer and so I do have some very treasured recordings of her singing. So not talking but singing. So that's really kept her alive to me. Yeah, but it's, it's a crazy thing that this person who 
was so formative in who I am and so formative in who my sister is. And my sister has no memory of her because she was only Mm. two when she died. And yet you think about the amount of effort and love and time that you've put into your kids, even by the time they're two or even less Mm -hmm. than that, but you're, you're still a part of them regardless from that point onwards. And that blew my mind. I think once I became a mum was to go, gosh, like our mum lives on in us regardless of what we remember of that. You, as you say, were raised by your grandma. Can you tell us about her? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It was hilarious. I think my sister and I now that we're adults reflect back on our childhood and go, gosh, that was weird. (laughs) (laughs) At the time it's just we thought it was quite normal to have this kind of 1940s style of child rearing. in the 1980s and you know pop culture which was we kind of had this bizarre dichotomy of experiences so yeah on the on the one hand I think we were we were being raised by someone who really was of that wartime era and the depression era and all the scarcity mindset and you know hyper vigilant about security and all of that sort of stuff but at the same time our grandmother had raised children during the 60s you know and I know my mother and my uncles were quite into the hippie anti-Vietnam thing and you know experimenting with certain substances (laughs) and so on so I think in a way she was so funny because she was so particular about many things but then also incredibly cool when it came to talking about things like drinking and drugs and sex and you know incredibly open So, yeah, and I think the fact that we were so bound by this trauma, you know, she'd lost her Mm. daughter and we'd lost our mum, we actually had an incredibly close relationship, like incredibly close, and I feel so grateful for that and I feel also very, very privileged that she was someone who found the humour in in life and had gone through tremendously upsetting stuff in her life but never became bitter. She was just always able to find the laugh and the smile and that inspired me that still inspires me I know from reading your book that your grandma and your mum were quite different your mum we haven't really talked a lot about her apart from your memories of her as your mother but she was a a singer she was attractive she was a a go-getter kind of woman probably of her era in the 80s I guess and then being raised by your nan as you just described her then Two very different women, it sounds like. When you became a parent yourself, did you feel the influence of both of them in how you were parenting? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, with with all of us, once you become a parent, you reflect on the way you were parented, you know, for better or for worse. I know I forgave my grandma any sin that she did when she was raising us as soon as I had kids I was like oh wow okay this is brutal and I also find something comforting in that knowing that my kids will get to that point too one day (laughs) yeah mum gosh wow that was really hard yeah but absolutely and I think a realizing that my mum my my real mum really tried so hard to pursue her own dreams and her own goals, even while she was parenting us, has absolutely become a very important part of my identity. And I would also add to that, I think, the experience of losing her so young 
just really informed who I am as a person in the sense that I knew so early on in life that this is finite, you know, that it can end at any time really unexpectedly. So my goodness, why waste any of that pursuing something that you don't like or making choices that make you unhappy? I guess that's what's really been a driving force of my life is not taking it for granted, but also not taking people for granted. And I don't take my kids for granted. I'm I think unhealthily so, I get a bit anxious about, oh, my gosh, what if something happened to me? Um, What Mm. if something happened to them? But I'm, you know, try to manage that. But also that's a beautiful thing. Like I just feel so privileged that I get to be here for them because I realise now as an adult what a tragedy that was from my mum's side, that it's not just Mm. sad for us losing her but actually how devastating for her that she didn't get to be here with us. Yeah, totally. Do you employ any of the 1940s style of parenting from your nan? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I mean, look, I bake a lot. (laughs) She was always, like, really into the, like, I've still actually got one of her old recipe books, which was quite an iconic one back in the day. I think everyone had this recipe book. And it's, it's hilarious, too. Even the formatting is so old school. Like, there's no bullet points there's no steps it like (laughs) literally just goes here these eggs these eggs these eggs and then it's just a paragraph about how to put it together like (laughs) they had no time for pretty layouts it was just function 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 do you make a mean scone then I do oh my gosh I make an amazing (laughs) scone I'm very proud of it and during lockdown that was my survival mechanism actually I just blew out and every day was baking with my kids and Scones and brownies, scones and brownies. Oh, my God, I'm so hungry now. (laughs) Yes, you're welcome. But apart from that, like I think think I've more rebelled against it actually, although I will say that I still really struggle if I have to throw any food out because that was an absolute no-no in our household Mm -hmm. because she grew up through the, the Depression, of course. So it was like she really was so militant that there was not a scrap of food that was left behind. If you didn't eat your vegetables, I mean, my goodness, she would just be mortified by the state of parenting these days. It's like if you did not eat your vegetables, they were put in a casserole dish. That was going to be the next thing that entered your mouth, whether it was in 24 hours or 48. You were not eating (laughs) until those vegetables were digested. I think I need to take a leaf out of her book. Oh, me too. I built myself <laughs> tremendously. It's appalling to me. She would just oh, be devastated. You ended up marrying a very Christian man and you yourself are not Christian. How did that happen? Oh, goodness. <laughs> we were, you couldn't have met at church. Oh, no. We Look, we, were, we met before he became a Christian actually. Oh, come on, that's not fair. I know. I know. <laughs> and I I I think two things happen. I think first of all, I was so young and and I've talked to the kids about this and cuz I never will talk badly of their dad in front of them, but I've said to them, you know, you will think at one point that love is enough and love is not enough. Like it's just mm. you hope that it is and that ideal you know, self and Hollywood kind of sells you that idea that, you know, if you love each other, that you can get through anything. I don't think that's true. I think you have to be compatible. I, I know that there are people who can make that work having different religions. I think that is so incredibly rare. 
Mm. Yeah, and we did our best, like, of being respectful of the others. But I think at the end of the day, especially as he became more devout and then that triggered in me, I guess, especially with certain issues that came up, like mm-hmm. gay marriage and that our um, beliefs were just so poles apart as that just kept going I was like this can't this is too hard like he needs to be with somebody who's in alignment with that because it's such an important value of his and yeah it just became clear that yeah I don't recommend that (laughs) 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 to anyone yes but you still gave it a a good crack didn't you and it it took quite a while for you to leave that marriage why do you think it took that long well I think I, I, look, I think the thing was it was always going to be my decision to leave and he'd made that very clear was that he didn't believe in divorce mm. for religious reasons. So it was like if I go, that's on me and that was a really difficult thing because I felt, oh, mm. my goodness, like what? A, what if he's right? Like what if this is like a horrendous thing that just wrecks everybody's lives and B, the responsibility of that. If that happens, then that's my fault and I've caused that. But I think I got to a point where it was actually my grandma. um, I I, I came out and said to her one day, I felt like I was sort of, you know, finally revealing this truth. And I said to her, you know, I know that you're so happy that I am married, but I'm like, I'm finding this just so, so hard to keep going because I think we've gone on, it's probably like a good 10 years after which I realised this is just so difficult and I held on for that long. And she was the one who said to me, gosh, Jen, like you only get one life. And she said, I, wow. I can see what this is like for you. Like, but, you know, you have to make your choice. What's life going to be? And um, it was very shortly after that that I did, yeah, have the courage to call it. And, um, oh, gosh, yes, I'm, I'm really glad that I did. As painful as that was, it was the right call. I am going to double back a bit because, of course, you started comedy before you left your marriage. But I'm really interested in how you found the experience of being a single parent because it was hard work um, leading up to the divorce, those 10 years you kept trying. But then it was hard work after too, right? Because then you're a single parent. Absolutely. And, and you know, like I just read a quote recently actually about how everything's hard and you have to choose your hard. And I, I think that's really true. And I do remember the first night actually after he moved out and just feeling this gripping terror of just going, <laughs> yes. oh, my gosh, it's all on me now. Like it is all like at this moment, like the kids are here in the house, all the everything, all the practicalities, logistics, like this is just me. But, you know, you know. And, and you had three kids at that point, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, thankfully, you know, I, it's like everything in life. Like people say, oh, I could never cope with that. And you see something happen to somebody else. But the reality is these things happen all the time and you do cope because what's the alternative? You know, you just mm. we're capable of so much more than you would ever think. And I rose into that power and I was very lucky too. My my daughter, my eldest at that point, who would have been 11 or 12, was incredible and she really just became my little lieutenant, you know, in this army. Mm. And we got through it, but I I do absolutely, again, take my hat off to any single mum and, again, made me really reflect on my real mum who was a single mum and my grandma who did that single in her 60s and 70s so it's just phenomenal what single mums are capable of speaking of uh 
doing things the hard way. <laughs> you did start comedy when you had two children under two, is that right? That's correct. <laughs> uh, which anyone with small children will understand is possibly the most intense time to be a parent in terms of them needing you. Of course, it changes as they get older, but two under two is freaking hard work. How did you even get out the front door for a gig? Oh my goodness, with tremendous <laughs> difficulty. But it was a necessity for me. I think I was honestly losing my mind. I was so depressed and just got into such a dark space because, you know, with two under two, with kids of any age can be stressful, but I think, yeah, it is a particular brand of hell. <laughs> having them so close together um so for me it was a survival mechanism because I just started off I was just doing one gig a week out of the house but it was like this is the dream I'm just out of the house one night it's got nothing to do with kids it's amazing but I do remember many nights of rocking up and realizing oh my gosh I've got puke on my shoulder and just trying to (laughs) delicately wash that off in the bathroom and going I hope no one notices I started wearing black a lot (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah just you know various levels of chaos and I do remember leaving and feeling tremendous guilt because I'd like one of the kids would be crying and I'd just be like I just Mm. have to leave but it did fill my tank up and I definitely feel like that was a uh, little life jacket for me to during that time and I think whether it's whatever that is for mums I I think passion doesn't have to be about career it really doesn't it doesn't have to be about making money out of what you love at all I think but whatever Mm. that passion is something that just fires you up that is just about you you have to find those moments because it just keeps you afloat You do also write about, I think, a week you had in New York with one of your friends who was also a mum, and um, that really resonated with me. You talk about how not just, you know, the passion part, but also um, once in a while spoiling yourself stupid. Um, I went away with a girlfriend to Melbourne to see um, the Harry Potter play. Oh, amazing. (laughs) And, oh, my God, it was the best weekend ever. It was like... She was my high school friend and we we sat up all night drinking wine and watching Sex in the City after the after the play. And I just I had not allowed myself any sort of thoughts of doing that. You know, when you're a new parent, you often don't have any money, your kids need you. The thought of going away for a girls' weekend feels just completely decadent. But it was one of the best things I ever did. Absolutely. And it's not just about that moment. I mean, you're enjoying that in the moment and it's so good for your soul, but it's also the memories of that. You know, it lifts you. Like I still, just then when Mm. you mentioned that New York trip again, my whole body just lights up because I just think, oh, my gosh, like I can't believe we did that, you know. (laughs) It's just the best. And I think we have to allow ourselves these tiny little chapters, not even tiny, but self-care is not an optional thing it's actually crucial to fill that tank up because you know we can we so much of parenting is so thankless you gotta thank yourself (laughs) oh damn straight I love that I love that because you also if you do that then you you have so I find anyway I have so much more patience for everyone in my family when I've allowed myself a moment. And I and I think it's important that it's not just exercise and the stuff that you think, you know, it makes you feel good. But the stuff you used to do before kids that was really purely selfish and had nothing about having fit body or 
healthy food or whatever it might be or a clear mind. It just feels like, oh, yeah, I used to do this stuff. I used to get my nails done or go out and have a night out with the girls. That sort of stuff's the fun stuff, right? Oh, absolutely. And just to, like, keep your identity going, that's it, because I think, again, parenting, particularly when they're young, it's so all-consuming and you can really wrap all your identity up in that. And I think that's really quite dangerous in a way because, Mm. again, because it's thankless and there's no clear role description, nobody's giving you feedback, and I think that's what can lead to being, like, to judging each other because you've got nothing else to base how how you're doing on. Mm. So I think you've got to have parts of yourself that absolutely have nothing to do with being a mum at all and, yeah, being able to just have those little chapters where, it's just, yeah, it's not probiotics and <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow-style Paltrow steaming your nether regions. It's like, <laughs> let's just go do something that you, you know, just for fun, just for fun. Yeah, yeah. Speaking about identity, um, you, you started comedy when your children were very small and your career has continued to grow since that time. Uh, and of course, you have added to your brood as you went along. Oh yeah. <laughs> What's it like being a mum in comedy? Oh gosh. So this is the thing. I think it's again something that mums who are particularly inclined towards the show pony lifestyle have so much to give in terms of a catharsis for the audience. It's like it's a catharsis for us too, but I think it's so brilliant to give that gift of the audience seeing themselves reflected on stage, you know, and Mm. so that is a beautiful part of it is to really feel like you're part of something and you're sharing that experience with people. Uh, In terms of logistics, it's incredibly difficult. It's incredibly difficult. And I think part of it is because we are subjected to so much more judgment than dads are. Like, and to be honest, like I've seen, um, I've seen and worked with so many dad comedians that would never even be referred to as dad comedians. Whereas a mother is always, that's a mum comedian. That's, you know, and people ask you, oh, where are your kids? (laughs) (laughs) in the boot of the car yeah in the boot of the car or I remember once after a show this gentleman coming up and saying oh but where are your children when you're performing and I it's one of those things I walked away and five minutes later I was like oh I should have said that I really wanted to say to him oh don't worry sir they're in the 21st century they're fine they're fine But just that, oh, crazy thing. So I, as a result, though, I so feel passionately about supporting other mums in comedy because it is so much more challenging uh, logistically, mm. judgmentally, just to physically get out of the house to a gig, all of that stuff. And I don't mean to make us martyrs at all. Like it's, you know, what a privilege to be able to get up on stage and to put, you know, they always say bad for life, good for comedy. So even when kids are doing something horrendous part of your brain's like oh this is going to be really good (laughs) so it's wonderful it's wonderful but you do have some challenges so I want to get behind I really believe in supporting other mums doing comedy to help make that happen if you had any advice to give parents out there who are maybe finding it a bit challenging today's been a crap day what advice would you give them I think find your tribe or find your person, you know, find that person who you can let it all hang out with and find that person who when you talk to each other, you both light up and make that a 
really important part. Like be conscious about that. I think you've got to not let people slip away. And even if it's a five-minute phone call, I think sometimes we get hung up on, oh, I just don't have time to catch up with someone. It doesn't have to be an hour. It doesn't have to be a day. Even just Mm. 10 minutes or five minutes just going, oh, this just happened, oh, my gosh, and have a laugh about it. Fine. There is, there's always funny. Even if you are covered in poo and let's face it, we all have been, <laughs> you're laughing at that, you know, like it all becomes funny eventually. And the sooner that you can make it funny, the better. Yes. That's great. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for talking to us today. It's a great book. Thanks for your oh, time. Oh, thank you so much. That's Jenny Winter. She's a comedian and author of Funny Mummy. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.